today on Ag News Daily. With the, the, the role that I have at FMC, um, I've been working with the Thrive 3D application system, um, which is a uh, revolutionary app plant uh, system. Uh, we developed the system several years ago. Um, it was giving as a, as a way to give growers um, an alternate method to apply an app plant product, such as an insecticide or fungicide. Well, listeners, welcome back. November 28th, Tuesday edition. Delaney, you know, sometimes they call it a turnaround Tuesday. I think for us, it's a tough Tuesday. Do tell why. <laughs> I'm glad you asked. It seems like when we report news in the afternoon on Monday and then come right around first thing in the morning on Tuesday, there's not a lot of extra new headlines to share with our listeners. Okay, that's not where I thought you were going with this, but yes, I agree. <laughs> I want to know where you thought I was headed. I'm not really sure. I was thinking maybe something about the weather because you like to talk about the weather or you're tired or hungry or I don't know, fill in one of the blanks. You know, I, you know, you did kind of hit a lot of things on the head here. We're 10 degrees right now in central Iowa and I am hungry. And when I got in my pickup this morning, it of course said I needed to change my summer air to winter air because uh, I got a couple of low tires digging at me. Well, there you go. I guess I was right after all. Yes, we do have winter weather in our forecast. Most of Michigan is now under a winter weather warning for snow, according to the National Weather Service. Another two inches of snow could come. That's basically the same system that went through Indiana that we reported about yesterday. Plan on slippery road conditions if you are going to be out and about in that area. Of course, the Southern Plains are looking at trying to get their hard red winter wheat growing, and they've got some rain in the forecast towards the end of the week, so good for them. Severe weather is not expected in any of these areas, and of course, the Midwest is looking for a little additional warm-up towards the middle end of this week. And we certainly saw that reflected in the crop progress report that now reports only 5% of corn acres are left to go, Tanner, as many states have reached 99% or 100% completion. But according to the USDA's final crop progress report of the year, 96% of the corn has been harvested, a 3% increase from last week. And at this time last year, we had reached 99% completion. All but four states, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, are reporting at least 90% of their corn acres are completed. So we've got a few more acres to wrap up there in those couple of states, but this is the last Crop Progress official report we will see from the USDA. So while those folks are finishing up here, good luck to them. We won't be reporting on it. (laughs) That's right. It was interesting, too, that report stated here that Uh, Winter wheat has emerged 91% of that crop, and that is up from 87% the week ago and up on the five-year average. But they also have stated that 15% of winter wheat is rated poor to very poor, down 2% from the previous week. And as a total of 35% rated fair and 50% is rated good to excellent. So looking like that winter wheat crop is going to be better than what it has been historically, Delaney. But we'll continue to keep an eye on what 
we see coming down the pipeline. If you are out in Indiana and you got some of that snow we talked about yesterday, it's time for you to nominate your master farmers. So don't forget to jump out to Farm Progress and nominate your master farmer for this year. Statements all the time are said about families being good candidates for the award, but they won't get selected unless they get nominated. So just a quick reminder there. The Indiana Prairie Farmer Magazine has the power to nominate somebody as an editor. You don't have, uh, as not being an editor, you don't have to worry about doing the investigations on the individuals. Just fill out the nomination form and successfully nominate individuals, Delaney, to be master farmer in Indiana. I don't know what that entails. Is it like master gardener? I assume it's uh, about the same. I'll see if I can grab a little bit more information here. It looks like this is uh, awarded to six farmers on an annual basis. They are to be good standing fellows in their community, leaders of organizations, members of possible commodity organizations or other board leadership, and often set high ranging examples of the utmost Ooh, yeah, of the utmost qualities of a high-end farmer. So it uh, looks like it is a award, kind of like a master gardener, but maybe just a little bit of a step up. All right. Well, I'm hoping that we've got some master farmers attending COP28, which is, of course, put on by the United Nations every year. This is the 28th year that they've had this event. It starts November 30th and will last through December 12th, so about two weeks here that this event will happen in Dubai and farmers and policymakers, leaders, businessmen and women, financial folks, and more will all meet Tanner for these two weeks to discuss climate change and many other issues impacting agriculture in the world around us. But this year's COP28 Climate Summit is going to put the spotlight on turning methane pledges into action at the COP28 or COP events every year, we do typically see world leaders and dignitaries making promises about things such as how to reduce climate change. And this year they said, we're not only going to talk about it and you know mention what we're going to do, pledge what we're going to do, but we're going to put those actions, put those words into action here and come up with actual plans to help reduce methane emissions. While more than 150 countries have promised since 2021 to slash their methane emissions by 30%, not very many countries have actually gone about ways to do this. So that will be a focal point for this year's COP28 event. It is a big event, Tanner. I uh, would love to go someday. I know a a couple of farmers that will be there, but I can't even fathom how large this event is and all of the people that will be in these rooms discussing lots of different things, including climate change, methane emissions, uh, carbon, and all sorts of other topics as well. That would be a fun one to attend. We did get an update from Machinery Pete, who's looking at the planter market currently. He's reminding our listeners the way the planter market was in 2014 and 2015 where it was hard to find buyers at auctions for planters. But he stated for the last couple of years, it's been the opposite. Early order programs through dealers for brand new planters have filled up quickly, driving up the process of used planters selling higher prices during auctions. He stated, however, as 
the ag economy begins to tighten, it may become a buyer's market. So his advice is to wait until you can purchase at the last minute or possibly taking a look at examples of inventory that is sat on dealer lots for a period of time. Seven of the 10 highest auction prices that have ever come on Planters Delaney came in the last 11 months, but he's thinking that we've seen the peak put in and planter prices could go back down. It's a tough time for farmers who want to upgrade their planter as those early order programs and manufacturers have made inventory tight. However, if the used planter market cools off and no longer is on fire, things could be changing. So it's something for our listeners to keep an eye on. If they're looking to upgrade their planner, it may become a buyer's market here in the next six months. And it might also be a market, Tanner, in where farmers can fix their own planters or systems in the cab. We got a big move here in the right to repair case that has been filed, of course, against John Deere. An antitrust lawsuit filed by more than 17 farmers across the country against John Deere will be allowed to continue with this court case after a federal court in Illinois on Monday denied Deere's motion to have the case ended. The U.S. District Court for the District of Northern Illinois denied Deere's motion to issue a ruling in an ongoing right to repair antitrust case based on the pleadings in the case. The lawsuit, of course, alleges that Deere has monopolized the repair service market for John Deere agricultural equipment and John Deere asked in the motion filed back in December of 2022 for it to be denied to move forward. Deere alleged that farmer plaintiffs lack legal standing to sue. They failed to identify a plausible relevant market to base their claims, and they failed to plausibly allege Deere has monopoly power over the repair service market, as well as failing to plausibly allege any anti-competitive conduct. However, in his ruling, U.S. District Judge Ian Johnston said that farmers' complaints allege both constitutional and antitrust standing, relevant markets, and the necessary requirements for each count in the complaint. Tanner, this is going to be a very contentious issue moving forward, of course, and uh, We'll see how this goes here as it continues to move forward in court. But this is one of many cases that have been filed in the right to repair here against Deere. But I really think John Deere has been the front and center focal point here for farmers focused on getting this resolved. Yeah, I would agree with that statement. We have a couple of updates coming from Russia and Ukraine before I wrap up my headlines for today. Southern Ukraine and Russia both continue to get battered by bad weather and huge winter storms. That's creating a loss of water supply, power outages, flooding, and other destruction. This is, of course, slowing down the progress from either side. The number of deaths and injuries due to the delays and uh, area in this region is hitting Ukraine particularly hard, as well as the Russian-occupied Crimean Peninsula. The Ukrainian president stated on Monday that almost 1,500 settlements in 17 regions across the country didn't have power, and they're working to get power restored in those areas. So Tuesday morning, the interior minister said 10 people were now known to have died because of this snowstorm. Russia has four people died and 20 injured on their report themselves. We'll continue to keep an eye on what 
the battle looks like between Russia and Ukraine, but we haven't provided a lot of updates there. It sounds like most of what's happening right now is inside offices and a part of discussions because the weather's disallowing much progress to be made outdoors, Delaney. But that's what I've got for headlines today. I have just one final headline here coming from Israel Hamas. As Tanner, we saw a four-day truce now has turned into a fifth day. Israeli forces and Hamas fighters have abided by the truce and at the last minute during the fourth day of ceasefire was extended at last minute to another 48 hours to let more hostages go free and to cease any sort of attacks for the time being. So it does sound like maybe talks are headed in the right direction here as they did at least come to an additional length of time to continue their ceasefire, to have these open discussions. So not out of the woods yet, but it certainly sounds like they are headed in the right direction, Tanner. But uh, markets are also, it seems to be heading in the right direction this morning if you are a seller and not a buyer. December corn in the overnights up three quarters of a cent at 4.56 and a quarter. January soybeans up five and a half pennies at 13.35 and a quarter. Chicago, December wheat up three quarters of a cent, trading at 5.35. December hard red winter wheat up a penny and a half, trading at 5.91 and a half. And December spring wheat up a penny and a half at 6.86. Taking a look at livestock and a reminder where they closed yesterday. It was an ugly day for livestock. If you want to hear why, go back to yesterday's Market Monday conversation with Arlen Suderman and get his take on it. But December live cattle shed a dollar forty-seven, closed at a buck sixty-eight seventy-five. Feeder cattle had a really ugly day yesterday, closing limit down, expanded limit down. We'll open this morning at two twelve eighty. And December lean hogs added thirty cents, opening this morning at sixty-seven eighty-seven and a half. Tanner, we are chatting today with Marcus Bartlett of FMC to talk about a new precision platform that will help farmers as they apply corn and other other uh, inputs to their field. So let's turn it over to that conversation. Tanner, I'm super excited for today's conversation. I always love chatting new technology and today is certainly a unique one. We're talking some newer technology for the chemical side of the business, but also a way to apply those chemicals in the field. Chatting today with Marcus Bartlett, the Precision Platforms Regional Sales Representative with FMC. Marcus, thanks for joining us and thanks for being patient while I shared your title there with our listeners. I appreciate it, Delaney. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So Marcus, I would love to learn a little bit more about what your role entails as a Precision Platforms Regional Sales Representative with FMC. I'm going to try to see how many times I can work that title into the into the episode today. Don't be taking up too much of my talking time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, with the, uh, the role that I have at FMC, um, I've been working with the Thrive 3D application system, um, which is a, a revolutionary at plant uh, system. Uh, we developed the system several years ago. Um, it was giving as a, as a way to give growers um, an alternate method to apply an at plant product such as an insecticide or fungicide uh, without using the traditional um, liquid fertilizer system or traditional liquid system um, you know putting out um, you know fertility product maybe some water um, in addition to that insecticide um, so we developed a system that uh, was 
uses a very low use rate. Um, so we're putting anywhere from you know 40 to 60 ounces um, of total solution out there, water plus chemistry mix. Um, we're injecting air into that to create a foam. Um, we put a band of foam um, in furrow about the size of a number two pencil. I'm getting the equivalent coverage of about 15 gallons per acre. So um, very low volume, very high coverage um, with the system growers can plant um, anywhere from three to 450 acres on a single fill. Um, so it's very, very user-friendly, user uh, very efficient. That's exciting. I didn't know that was going to be part of the conversation today, but the use of foam seems, after you say it, to be a no-brainer. Is it, you stated that the foam is formed just by injecting air during the application process? That's correct. So the the products that are designed for the, the Thrive 3D system are specifically designed for that system. So there are, um, you know, surfactants in there that uh, make it foam. Um, and so, you know, it's, I would say kind of, um, you know, the opposite of what we're used to in the, in the chem world where we have anti-foamers within that product to keep it from foaming up. Uh, we, we want to make bubbles. Um, and so by, like I said, uh, mixing that with water um, and injecting air into it, we, we create that band of foam um, in furrow. Marcus, I'm sure that there was a lot of R&D that went into, you know, migrating to this foam system, because as you mentioned, a lot of other systems are trying to avoid that. But what, why was the decision made to use this specific type of system that you guys built out? And then more, spe more specifically, why use foam? Mm -hmm. um, so it really, for us, it, um, it was giving tools to growers who um, didn't, didn't have them. Um, you know, a, a lot of customers um, were saying, like, ah, we've, we've used um, insecticides before. Um, you know, maybe we used a granular system and it was, it, it's big, it's bulky. Um, you know, we have to, you know, it's, it's a lot of weight, um, kind of a lot of moving parts to it. Um, or they were using a, um, a liquid system and, and maybe just using water plus that insecticide um, and it was, you know, big, bulky, um, you know, 500 gallon liquid tank, they're putting out five gallons to the acre. So they're only getting, you know, hundred acres for, per fill. And we're always stopping to fill up. So, I mean, those were kind of the, the challenges that came to us. Um, and then we had a, uh, um, a, a previous, um, employee with FMC, like, what if we made it like, um, you know, kind of like a, like a shaving cream coming out, um, of a can. And, um, that's kind of really where the, the idea started from. Um, like I said, the, the main idea though, was to give those growers, um, options for, for at plant insecticide that, you know, didn't, didn't want to mess with a system that, um, maybe had some challenges. So is this a system that can be put on any planter and what types of crops are, have been the major focus? Yep. Um, so yes, um, I, I tell my customers that, you know, when it comes to putting a Thrive system on your planter, that uh, your imagination is your only limitation. Um, so the, the system bolts onto, um, I would say, you know, 99.9% of, of planters out there. Um, you know, we come across some every once in a while that um, maybe they have a few um, extra things on there and it's um, just can't find room for it. I mean, we've, we've bolted them on the, the tractor before. Um, but typically, um, you know, we put it on the, on the tongue of a, a planter, 
Um, it integrates into the the ISO bus system on that tractor. So, say a grower is running a you know a, a John Deere tractor on the front, it'll come through his his John Deere display. Same with you know Case and Ag Leader, um, any of the the major ISO bus compatible systems out there. So it's it's really plug and play. Um, it integrates very well into um, I would say any of your traditional um, planter brands out there on the market today. And I saw, Marcus, that FMC is offering this system and a professional installation through the remainder of the year for no cost to growers. So now is an exciting time to try this technology on your operation. But as far as the three products that you can use, the Ethos 3D Capture and Zyway, those are some newer products to the market, I would say, as well. And as you mentioned to me earlier, before we started recording, those each get sprayed at different times. But what does the actual um, mix case look like, application case look like? How do they get this working in their fields? Is there anything to think about or do differently? Yep. So it really comes down to um, you know what the what the grower needs. Um, so if if your if the grower's need is uh, an at plant insecticide, uh, maybe there's some continuous corn um, or you know problem problems with a. Uh, with insects out in the field, that's their 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 primary concern. Then we would look at at capture or or ethos. Um, if that grower is um, you know concerned about um, you know tar spot coming, that seems to be you know the the big um, big hot topic lately. Um, you know, putting down a, a foundation of Zyway 3D is going to give them um, you know season long disease suppression. Um, it's going to hold off um, that that tar spot a lot later. Um, they could still have to come back with a late season application, but it really um, sets that grower up to have a, a foundation for success. That is. So how is it best that our listeners connect with you if they're interested in this? Is this something that is through local agronomists? What's the network to get our listeners connected? Yeah, so... Um, you know, growers can visit um, our website at ag.fmc.com. Um, they can learn more about our at plant crop protection products there, um, as well as Thrive 3D. And there's also some some dealer locators there um, that will point them towards their um, their nearest uh, Thrive 3D rep um, in their geography. Awesome. Well, Marcus, this time went really fast, but thank you so much for joining us today um, on the podcast. This was a really great conversation, so appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. Thanks, listeners, for hanging out with us. Delaney, we've got more conversations that we're happy and excited to share this week, don't we? We certainly do. We've got a good lineup coming this week, Tanner. So I'm excited for our listeners to tune in with us. Absolutely. But for today, what do you say? Should we let them go? Let's let them go.